Hello and welcome to the Country Roads Podcast on Blue Gold Sports. I'm your host, Lane Shepard. So let's dive into the Iowa State recap a bit. So, beginning of the game, Austin Kendall completes one pass. You know, his only attempt at the game. Gets hit in the chest on a tough hit. Has to leave. Jack Allison comes in. And, I mean, that that's sadly. Other than a good drive at the end of the first half, Western News offense just never never gets off the ground. I mean, the the stat statistically running the ball was the same it's been all year. Passing struggled. And anybody after that Texas game who was really questioning, you know, should Kendall be the quarterback or not, I think there's your answer. You know, I, I talked at length last week about, you know, what I thought about Kendall's performance against Texas, you know, the, the truth behind those interceptions. But if you really think, you know, the next guy up is going to be better than Kendall, I think you had your answer on Saturday. Now, obviously, I think a lot of people are kind of clamoring, you know, oh, let's see Trey Lowe, let's see Trey Lowe. For those who don't know, he's another young quarterback on the roster from Tennessee. But it, if Trey Lowe was there, you know, he, he's starting over Kendall or he's, you know, probably in the game, you know, when, when Kendall gets knocked out. You know, we'll see we'll see this week in Norman. You know, obviously he's still uh we'll get into that a bit bit here when I do the Oklahoma preview, but you know, Kendall's questionable for Saturday, so we're not sure who we're gonna see. And it's if Kendall finishes that game out, I think that's a game West Virginia has a very good chance of winning. Not sure they do or not. I mean, it's tough to tell with, you know, the running game is so inconsistent. But the passing game was just completely gone once Kendall was out. So it's defensively, West Virginia played well, not as well as they did against Texas. I mean, I think you saw the one thing that, you know, WVU struggled on in that game was Iowa State had a lot of 10-yard or more gains. Texas did. Western did an excellent job of forcing um, Texas, you know, the, the shorter chunk plays. And Western could knock it off the field on third down against Iowa State. And, you know, their tight ends, that vertical passing, you know, the, you know, the middle really, you know, killed West Virginia. They attack your linebackers, safeties, and that, you know, we'll see that bit against Oklahoma. That's something to watch out for. But Iowa State's big, big guys really you know, clamored the team, you know, on third down, and that, and that was tough. And obviously, Keith Washington doesn't play at all, so you have a true, you know, you're a, you're a freshman starting, you know, Nick Troy, fortune for him. And then, obviously, you get Hakeem Bailey gets ejected early in the second half. So now you got two freshmen starting at corner, guys that, you know, really haven't played at all and, you know, weren't supposed to play at all. Actually, thought they held up pretty well. Um, you know, given the circumstance against, you know, Purdy's, you know, Iowa State's quarterback, Purdy is, uh, he's talented. He's very good. He's still young. He's, you know, so watch out, you know, he's not going anywhere. We're going to have him at least one more year, probably two. And he's one of the better quarterbacks in the country. I mean, he's not up there with Jalen Hurts and Tua and and your top-notch guys, but you go down that next tier, there aren't a massive list of guys you'd want over Purdy. Especially, you know, when you factor in his youth. So, I, I thought the young corners held up well. But, ideally, you don't want your guys coming in after an ejection when they haven't even, 
they haven't taken a snap all year. They haven't been on kickoff coverage. They haven't been on punt. They haven't done anything. You know, we got guys that were trying to redshirt and like, oh yeah, you got to go in. Never mind. So all in all, I think the defense played well. I I think the game plan that West Virginia had was very successful. I think where they, you know, where we struggled was you get in the second half and. You know, it's a seven-point game at halftime. It's tight going into the fourth, and the game just gets away from the team. You know, as we enter the fourth again, it's a similar, it's a similar situation where the team gets tired, defense performs, runs out of gas as they enter the fourth, and the offense is in a situation where they can catch up on the scoreboard. Um, I do think coaching staff. You know, put together a good game plan, at least defensively. Offensively, I can't speak to it because you're obviously not you're not game playing Jack Allison to be in that game. And you can be upset. Oh, he's not prepared well enough. He wasn't. You know, I that's fair, but the original game plan is not obviously to have him in the game. And you could see the unfamiliarity between him and the receivers there. I mean, it was it was pretty evident. They called deep balls, and we just weren't. They're playing three deep safeties because they can't at that point. They know we have to throw it deep, and they're just saying, "Go for it. You want to throw it deep? That's fine. Well, we're going to throw them all back there and give you whatever's underneath." And you've got no chance with an inexperienced quarterback who's you know not really ready to go. Defensively, the game plan was good. They had a good spot. We held them. They had a lot of offense, you know, a lot of rushing yards, but we held them tight. Until late in the game, running the ball, um, especially when you you factor in you know the lack of uh, experience and the you know the injuries, you know Cowan goes out instantly. You don't have you don't have Keith Washington, which I know you go. Well, what does that matter? Corners play a pivotal part in the run game as well because they have to force anytime you're going outside in the run game. You have any kind of a stretch play. The most important job of a corner. It's not always to make the tackle, although obviously that's key, but it's you got to force that running back back inside. You can't let that player, you know, or it can be a wide receiver on a wide receiver screen. You cannot let them outside of you, aka to the sideline, because if they get to the sideline, they can get a much larger gain because there's nobody out there, and the angle of attack to get to them defensively now becomes longer. Because if they have to run inside the corner back towards the hash or the numbers. They're running towards a defender. It's automatically shorter distance. When they run outside, you gain, uh, you're going to gain another five, six yards every time because now that trailing player, because you're assuming it's a linebacker, maybe safety, and they're coming from distance, has to run across to them. So it's one of those, that's not something that people know a lot or think of often, but your corners, their biggest thing they do in the run game is not allow anything outside of them. So having young corners, again, affects that. You know, I'm sure they were taught that in high school. You get taught that young, but it's a little different when you're playing at Mountaineer Field against Iowa State as a true freshman versus when you're back in high school. Not the same atmosphere, not the same level of receivers trying to block you, not the same level of running back, et cetera, et cetera. So this, you know, it's it's a big situation. So it's it's a disappointing loss because I it really is a game I think W had a chance to win, and when Kenda goes out. That, that you know, it's it's tough. I, I it, that's a that's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to recover from. So, moving on, there's a couple other notes that came out uh, this week in the press conference. Tevin Bush uh, is going to enter the transfer portal. He he's had a lot of injuries this season. He's been banged up. He uh, 
sat out the NC State game for, you know, a suspension. But he he's going to transfer and try to get closer to home. He's from New Orleans and, you know, Coach Brown. I thought, I'll say this. If you want to know what level coach we have as far as integrity and where he's at, go watch the press conference from Tuesday and listen to how he talks about Tevin Bush. Because you know, he says, you know, I met with him. It's his decision. I support. And look at the level of character, the demeanor, the tone of voice that he has in that situation. And I guess you could say, oh, maybe he practiced in front of a mirror and he got ready for it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But, but I doubt it. I think he just cares. And if you look at the way he talks about that and that press conference, and then go to listen to other coaches, very good coaches, you know, go listen to Nick Saban talk about something entering the transfer portal or Jim Harbaugh or whatever other college coach you want. And I'm not saying that they're all they're jerks about it. It's not that. They don't talk about them like that when a player says, hey, I'm out. I want to go do something else. And there are other situations where that does happen. I mean, there, there are you know situations where, where coaches do that. Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, I know, for instance, was very supportive when one of their backup running backs or one of their running backs wanted to transfer closer to home due to family illness. He wanted to go to Georgia Southern. Mike Gundy actually wrote a letter. And, like, Oklahoma State wrote a letter to the NCAA saying, hey, please let him transfer and don't penalize him. He, is, he has a family you know, situation. He'd like to be closer to home. And that's that's the kind of coach you want. And I think you this is the kind of situation where you see, you know, where real Neil Brown really is as a person. And I think that's going to pay dividends long term. I don't think you're going to see Norman this weekend, which is fine. But I think you see, you know, long term. Because if you're – and this isn't always going to happen. I mean, you're not going to all of a sudden get five-star guys running into Morgantown because of this. But – Realistically, if you're a player and you want to know, or you're a parent of a player in high school that's getting recruited, you want to know what that coach is like because it's not when he's recruiting you. Because when he's recruiting you, to be honest, they're selling you. It is like a salesman coming to your door. They want you to come. They are never going to be nicer to you than when they are recruiting you to their college. Watch the press conference and watch how they talk about their players and situations and what they happen. You know, talk to other players. And when you hear a coach talk about a player who's leaving the program the way he talked about it, or the way, honestly, he handled the uh, Giovanni Stewart thing, both those are situations where he could have been very mean, very short, very abrupt about that in the press conference, and he wasn't. And that speaks a lot about his maturity level. Uh, second situation, you know, kind of a sad point is Vandarius Cohen's out for the season. Um, I just got back from an injury and now he's he's out, but he he's done for the year. And that's a that's a position that Western doesn't have a lot of depth at. He's a a player that we could really use. He hasn't played in two years, but you could already see the flashes of talent that he had. You know, we got in against Texas, but that's it. You know, he's he's done for the year. We're not really sure what's going to happen in that kind of a situation. Uh, before we get on to Oklahoma, I do want to take a quick break. Highlight my sponsors. Uh, Bring the Country Roads podcast to you this week is Weedman Lawn Care, providing homeowners with beautiful lawn they truly want and deserve. Get a quote today at weedmanusa.com. Also bringing the podcast to you, Ashley O'Brien. She's a realtor with Realty Group Coastal of Charleston, South Carolina. Thinking of relocating? You can reach Ashley at ashleyelizabethcollection.com.
So, Norman, Oklahoma, Sooners, Lincoln Riley. It's big test this week. <laughs> big, big test this week. And I think since joining the Big 12, you know, Western, you finally got over that, you know, the hump of Kansas State, you know, a few years ago. That was a team we, we couldn't beat and several times got throttled by, sadly. Uh, Oklahoma has won seven straight. You know, Western New obviously beats them and, you know, the Fiesta Bowl back at the end of the 2007 season. You know, the Owen Schmidt, you know, beer truck run and all that fun stuff. And, that hey, that was that was awesome. You know, they, they throttled Sam, a young Sam Bradford that entire game in the backfield. And it was tremendous. But since then, you know, they've won seven in a row. It's been a little ugly. And some of the games, especially the early, one, early on and then last year, games were tight. There were some very... Good matches between the two, but there's been a few in between there too. Where you know Oklahoma really, you know, put it to West Virginia. You know, three years ago in Morgantown was you know obviously an ugly one. Last time we went to West Virginia, went to uh, went to Norman when chugging off had to come in a relief of uh, Will Greer when he broke his hand. You know, diving for the pylon in that uh, in that game against Texas at home. It's it's not been good. I, and I would dare say that Oklahoma's probably the team that most West Virginia fans kind of like grimace at the most. I mean, you know, the whole, I think the Texas horns down thing has gotten a lot of people ticked off and annoyed, but I, it's got to be Oklahoma. I mean, it's, I, I can't imagine there's any other team that, you know, Mountaineer fans want to be more than, than the Sooners. So they've, and they've, you know, Bob Stoops is, uh, Gave us the majority of those losses, and he was there for the Fiesta Bowl. But their new coach, Lincoln Riley, has been—he's the poster child right now of great quarterback play and development in college football. And that's why he's always on the short list for all these NFL teams. You know, despite him just starting his third season as head coach, he—the way that he's developed, you know, molded whatever you want to call it. You know, when you you go back, you look at Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and now Jalen Hurts. You know, back to back, he's got you know back to back Heisman Trophy winners at quarterback. You know, people look at that and they go, "Oh my God!" Especially these NFL owners and GMs that all they're trying to do is you know take their young quarterback they draft early and make sure that he's successful in the next league. He's a, it's a name that comes up all the time. You know, he's a guy that they. They look at and they say he could change our NFL franchise and make us what we want to be. And you know, you can make all the jokes about backing up the Brinks truck, you know, to his house, but it would be a surprise to no one if he got lured to the NFL very quickly. I don't know if he would leave for another college program, just because I mean, Oklahoma's. I don't know if you say they're the best college program, you know, in history. You can bait it whatever way you want to. Michigan has the most wins, but I mean, there's not a top ten list you're leaving him on the Oklahoma off of. I mean, they are a true blue blood of college football, and I'm actually going to the game this weekend in Norman, and I'm I'm excited to go. I mean, it's one of those. I'm not not sure it's going to be great from a West Virginia perspective, but exceptionally excited to. Go experience a place like Norman. You know, it's just outside of Oklahoma City, but and it's it's a beautiful campus. And they have an incredible art gallery, by the way, in case you're ever looking something up. But they uh, 
I mean, it, it's up there. Like when you when you talk about schools, you know, I went to Texas last year. When you make a short list of you know great college places you'd like to visit, you know, OU's usually on that list. You know, that's a place that's. When you look at their history of you know Heisman Trophy winners, national championships, great NFL players. You know, it, it's not. There's not a lot of people above them. You know, I'll say that. So we'll get get getting back onto West Virginia and their chances in this game. So Kendall is. Still listed as questionable for Saturday, Norman. He had a, it was a chest injury, like I said earlier, so it's not shoulder, it's not arm, which is good. It's very good. He's thrown in practice some this week, but he is quote-unquote listed as questionable, and Coach Brown very clearly said he will not play if he is not 100%. That's a, that's a scary statement if you're hoping for Kendall to play on Saturday because 100%. Is a tough place to get to, you know, when you get knocked out of a game, you know, only you know six seven days before. So, is he going to play? I can't tell you, but I can't imagine the odds are good. Um, I mean, most people assume that means Jack Allison will will get the start. You know, does Trey Lowe get the start? Tiogi, um, the the guy from Bowling Green, I I don't know. He I I doubt I doubt the the Bowling Green transfer is going to be there. It's it's likely either Trey Lowe or um, or Jack Allison if Kendall doesn't play, but we'll see. And, and obviously, if it's not Kendall, West Virginia's chances of winning this game drop significantly. I mean, it had been a massive upset regardless, but without Kendall, I just don't know if I see this offense putting up the points that it needs to 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 win this game. I mean, you're not holding OU off the scoreboard. We'll talk about their stats in a second, but that's especially when you look at Keith Washington, you know, starting corners questionable. Hakeem Bailey has to set out the first half because of his targeting penalty against Iowa State. So you're looking again at least a true freshman for half a game. And then, you know, does Nick Troy Fortune have to play the whole game for Keith Washington? That's you know, that that that's that's scary. You know, West Virginia struggled to run the ball all year. You know, Oklahoma has a lot of talent, you know, on their team. I can't imagine, you know, their front seven is going to give up more yards than what West Virginia has, you know, all year running the ball. So if all of a sudden the passing game takes a massive step back with Kendall out, it's, it, you know, the odds are they're not looking good offensively. And when you look at, when you look at their offense right now, it's, <laughs> it's impressive. They're averaging over 50 points a game, 335 through the air, 286 on the ground. This this is what's scary. When you look at Jalen Hurts, who's a front runner for the for the Heisman, and I I also would say a quality quality individual. When you look at the way he's handled that whole the the, the you know being benched for Tua at Alabama, and you know his demeanor on the sideline. I don't think people understand how freaking hard it would be to be benched the way he was, and then have to like then to come back in and help them, you know, win in that playoff. Like on unreal. Um, regardless, Jalen Hurts has 630 yards on the ground and eight touchdowns. West Virginia has 699 on the ground as an offense, entire offense. That's a 69-yard difference. <laughs> Just between him and the team. He's got 17 touchdowns through the air to only 7 picks. Kendall has 9 touchdowns and 7 picks. 
And I know, you know Kendall wants to play in this game. Because obviously, you know, people know he's a grad transfer from Oklahoma who was, you know, thought he was going to take over the reins after Kyler Murray. Jalen Hurts enters the transfer portal. Lincoln Riley lures him to Norman. So Austin Kendall decides he's going to leave. And, you know, he comes to Morgantown. We're very grateful that he did. But you know he wanted to play in this game to at least get back and kind of, you know, some some pride. Show that, hey, you know, I was good enough. I could start. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue with, with, you know, Coach Riley's decision at this point just based on, you know, Jalen Hurts' numbers. But, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. And, I mean, Jalen Hurts has... He has a lot of tools at his disposal. I mean, C.D. Lamb, their star receiver, he's incredible. Hey, go watch. He had a catch against UCLA last year. That, I mean, it's it's one of the best best catches I've ever seen. And he made like he had like three pretty incredible snags in that game. But the one he makes, this is like windmill, almost Jordan looking catch. And I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. Just C.D. Lamb, you highlight UCLA. It, it blew my mind. And he does it all the time. He's got, he juked out every Texas DB last week, probably four times on the way to the end zone. You can do whatever he wants. And they have a ton of talented receiver. And what scares the heck out of me more than just their, you know, stout offensive line is, you know, their tight end, Calcaterra. 6'4, big, incredibly athletic kid. And what did Iowa State do last week? They killed us with big tight ends. And you can you can line Calcutta or Calterra, sorry. You can line Calterra, Calcaterra, you know, wherever you want. You know, you can line him up tight, and you can line him kind of in an H back position, you can put him off the line, put him in a bunch, and it's you know, he, he's more of a receiver almost with a bunch of size who can block. And he, you know, watch him. He's gonna be somebody who, you know, we gotta be you know, scared of. And then guess what? They still got Trey Sermon back at running back, so Whew. All right, here we go. So, when when you look at when you look at you know Cohen being gone, questionably to you know at least a corner out, you know Bailey out for the you know the first half and possibly no Washington. It's in the last couple games, Western has done an incredible job of keeping it tight halftime and then really had a chance to win the game at the beginning of the fourth. I'm not sure this happens this week. I, I it's one of those when you look at. If Western has a backup quarterback in, a struggling run game, I I, I don't like Western's odds against you know the six and oh fifth ranked Sooners, and right now Vegas has them at a, a sultry thirty four point favorite uh, currently, which is yeah that that's not something I'm really used to seeing when I look at West Virginia games is when no other you know and I guess. They were they were a huge favorite the last time we were in Norman because Chugganoff was going to get the start, you know, when Greer went out. But thirty four points is that's a tough thing to swallow when you look at the uh, <laughs> you look at it. So games uh, it's at twelve o'clock, so it's at eleven o'clock Central Time. So I'll be getting up very early to try and get to the game out there in Norman. But I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be an outstanding experience. To get to see what they have, and I hope you guys tune in to you know at least see the. At least what happened, you know, his quarterback. Do we, do we get, you know, a young Trey Lowe? Does Kendall, you know, is he able to play? Or, you know, does Jack Allison get another start? Does he have a chance, you know, 
we'll see what happens. So, Well, that's all I have for you this week, Mountaineer fans. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. You can follow uh, me on Twitter at LaneShepherd72. Feel free to reach out to me with any questions or thoughts you have on the podcast, any of my other articles, and the rest of the team you can find at Blue Gold Sports on our Twitter or Facebook. Thanks so much. Have a great week.